1: times best-selling and award-winning author kick-ass international thrillers and this is the taylor Stevens show with my good friend steve campbell where we are kicking writing in the butt one hard word at a time
0: have we officially changed the tagline is that it now No, <laughs> I don't always say it. <laughs> okay, just occasionally. Uh, yes. the topic today is understanding who the audience is for your book, and we will get to that in a minute. But first, Taylor's had more time on the road uh, doing promotions for her book, Liar's Paradox. So how's it going? It's almost over.
1: Yay! Oh, yes, I know. It's awesome. We talked about that. In recent show about, I love it. I hate it. Um, but yes, book events are almost over. I think I have one or two more things that I have to do promo wise, but it's from the comfort of my own home, thankfully. Nice. And then it is back to trying to get my head in the game and get this writing stuff. You know, I'm still horribly, horribly, horribly nowhere close to finishing uh, Liar's Legacy, which is book two, which was just. Very late. It was due in September. So yes, (laughs) no update on where we stand with that in terms of what's going on because I'm so late. So hopefully whenever I do have news, it'll be good.
0: Have you made any progress at all while you were out doing the promotion stuff?
1: I've been writing this whole time, um, you know, every spare minute I get, but there's just so much to this story. It's definitely going to be way bigger than I thought it would be. And it just keeps going. And it, it takes me time to get back into it. So even though I'm making progress and I'm not ever fully away from it for a long time, it's not the consistent day after day, uninterrupted kind of progress.
0: Okay. So what's the next big event for you? You said you have a couple things you can do from home. What's the next big event for you that's coming up that doesn't involve being at home?
1: I guess it would be ThrillerFest and then Bouchercon.
0: ThrillerFest is in New York usually yes. in July? Yes. And Bouchercon is when?
1: Con takes place this year in October, end of October. It starts on Halloween, actually. And it's in Dallas.
0: Yeah, we've talked about that a, a yes. few times. And I, I don't know whether we talked about this on the air or not, where you were going to open up your home to anybody who wanted to stay. <laughs> <laughs> Did I get yeah. that wrong?
1: <laughs> I'm not even staying at my home. I'm going to go stay at the hotel because it's just a completely different experience when you're actually staying on site for one of these things. I don't want to have to make that trip back and forth. So I'm staying there. So no, nobody can stay with me. Mine, mine, all mine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I, this will be my first BoucherCon. I've registered oh and I think, I'm pretty sure I, I reserved the hotel room too. I did it a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm 99% sure I did. And I can't remember what I paid for the hotel. I can't remember what I paid for uh, BoucherCon, but I know it was not very expensive so doing so it cool. like super early is good and because it's in dallas um we know you're going to be there it's easy to get to from wherever you are really in the united states if you're in the continental united states pretty easy to get to so uh we hope that lots of people are going to be there
1: got, yeah, steve if you're going to be there and i'm going to be there and this is the first time that we're meeting we should like do something like have a get together
0: at or- your house no! <laughs> no! I'm a hard
1: time cleaning up after myself.
0: <laughs> it's in October, so there's plenty of time, but there won't be plenty of time to reserve hotel space. I've You've taught me this in the past, where if you want to go to BoucherCon and stay at the hotel, you really need to reserve kind of early.
1: Yeah, like the last I heard, they already had like over a thousand registrations, and that was like in... January first type thing. Like so, the closer we get, the more and more people will start registering, and the hotels fill up really fast. And even they they've reserved like a huge block out of this hotel. I think we're the only thing going on, and this hotel is massive. I've been there, but uh it's just this is the fiftieth anniversary. It's the only
0: thing going on in this big hotel. Yep. Wow.
1: yeah Because it's the fiftieth anniversary, and they know a lot. It, it's going to be big. It's going to be really big. So if anybody who's like thinking, oh. I've been thinking about going to Bashcon. Not every year do they have it where everything takes place in one hotel. Like in 2018, it was in St. Petersburg, and the hotel itself was too small to have everybody stay there. So people were staying like, you know, 10, 15-minute walks away all around this hotel. And I didn't reserve early enough to get a room, so I was off-site, and that was not fun. So it's it's not every city is capable of hosting something this size where everybody who's coming in can stay in the same hotel. So this is a good year to do it. This is a really good mm-hmm. year to do it, and I want to see you there,
0: so come. All right, and BoucherCon, for people who don't know, is a mystery and thriller conference, but it's not just for authors. This is the big conference for fans as well.
1: Yeah, this is the fan event, where you, you know, you're just mingling with, everybody's all mixed up together. It's not like, you know oh, the author's over here, and everybody else is over there. And so much takes place, at the bar at night, you don't have
0: to be, a that's what you anything. keep saying. And I'm, I'm a little yeah. bit afraid of, uh, e- even seeing you at night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't turn into a gremlin or anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everything happens in the bar at night.
1: Well, it's, it's where, you know, the day's over and people are relaxing and, you know, when well, maybe everybody was like, just spread out throughout the day, you know, oh, I'm running to this panel, I'm going to this panel. And especially for authors who haven't seen each other for a year or fans who haven't seen the author for a year, because I've gotten to know a lot of fans who who come regularly. I, I know many of them by name now. And it's like you just miss each other. You know, there's so much happening, so many things going on at the same time. But by the time the evening rolls around, it's all over. And so there's one place where everybody comes and congregates. And so, you know, you just be standing there having a drink and then, oh, there's so-and-so and and you can just walk up and say hi to them. I'm a big fan of yours, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just you're all at the same level. Agents, editors, uh, journalists, bloggers, readers, writers. You're just one big happy party.
0: Okay, so the, t- the topic today, Taylor, is understanding the audience for your book. And when I first raised this as a topic, you said, well, I'm, this is going to have to be mostly you because I don't, I don't know a lot about that. And I, I pushed back on that, and I promised that I would be able to get some stuff out of you. So I'm, I'm, going, to, <laughs> I'm going to take you back in time to the time when your first book, The Informationist, was being published. Did you know at that time, did you have any sense of who the audience was for that book beyond, if you like Jason Bourne, you'll like my book or something like that?
1: No, I didn't. And genre was a huge weakness for me. And I didn't know at that time that when you get, you know, at least that's how it was then, and I assume it's the same now. It's like when they pick up your book, when they buy the rights to it, the first thing they're looking at is what other books like this are out on the market? What have they already sold? Your agents are asking you, you know, what are your comps? What books would you say this is like? And it's Oh, that must have
0: been a fascinating conversation with you.
1: It, it never really went anywhere because it's like, I don't know. You know, I don't I don't read enough to even have a clue. And so they kinda carried that water for me, but it's a case of they're looking to see how they're supposed to position it, how they're supposed to get other readers interested. Because it's so much easier to go to a reader and say, hey, if you liked X, you're going to like this book too, than to say, well, it's a little bit like this and a little bit like that. They want that really strong, that strong imagery, which is why you get, if you liked Gone Girl, if you like this. It's not that authors are chasing the fads, although sometimes they are. But in most cases, the books have been written long before the fads hit. And then the the publishing team is looking for a way to frame it that readers will go, oh, yeah, I enjoyed that. So now I'm going to pick up this book is what's what happened with me with Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I would never read the the tattoo book, still haven't actually haven't seen the movies, but just started getting all these comps to Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And it pulled in a big audience from that because Steve Larsson had already died and there wasn't going to be another one. We didn't know that there was a, that the next book was coming. And so it was like, there was this people were looking for the next thing, which worked against me and for me because my angriest readers were those who were like, this is nothing like the girl with dragon dad too. How could you be? So, you know, you, you cheated me, <laughs> etc." And then others were like, this isn't really the same, but I like the character, you know? So it, It can be a double edged sword. But then you have a situation where I've got, you know, Jack and Jill and Liar's Paradox. How do you comp a book like that? It doesn't there's nothing else out there that exists like that. And so it's it's charting new territory and it can be really, really hard if you don't have a way to say, if you like X, then try this, then it's like this big question mark and readers who aren't already familiar with you are like, no, I don't know. And even if you read the, the back material on Liar's Paradox, it's it's written to try and appeal to the thriller reader in general, but it doesn't really tell you the story. There's so much more to it than that. So comps can be a big deal in um in publishing and it might have actually been more helpful if I had something in mind going, well yeah, here's something else that was big once upon a time and people would probably enjoy it. But I didn't
0: I know when I when there were when the only bookstores were physical bookstores, I would go into a my section of the of the bookstore. I always just considered it my section of the bookstore, which were like mysteries and thrillers and well, Mysteries was its own section, and then Thrillers were sort of segmented throughout general fiction. And I could just look at the spines, and I would look for covers, or look for colors and fonts (laughs) to try and guess what would be my kind of book. And I'm sure lots of our listeners out there have, have done the same thing, and you get to the point where you're pretty good at it. And you can just tell from the spine and the title... You know, there's like an eighty percent chance this is this kind of book that I know I'm that I know I'm really going to enjoy. And now, of course, the world has completely changed, where so many people now are buying books online. And you don't see the spines online. You see the full cover. So there's probably more emphasis put on the cover now than ever before. And you do get the description but maybe more important than the description are the comps that you were talking about comps earlier but are the comps that just show up under your book people yeah. who bought this book also bought that book and it's really easy to you don't have to have someone say if you like Lee Child you'll like this if you see the number 1 comp for this book is you know the latest reacher book or whatever Um, it's, it's pretty easy to get a sense of whether or not you're going to like something. And in my case, I'll find books and I don't intentionally look at the comps, but as I'm scrolling down to look at the reviews, I, I glance past them. And if I don't recognize any of the comps, that's alarming to me.
1: Interesting.
0: And it might be the same for other people. And now you can also, and, and this is sort of the direction I want to take the show is the importance to the author of understanding who your audience is when you're selecting things like online store categories and keywords and advertising against other books. Because you can advertise against any book you want to advertise against. And in Taylor's case, she doesn't have the opportunity to do that. Her publisher does all of that for her. She pick, They pick the keywords. They pick the categories. And then sometimes... Amazon, we'll just talk about Amazon specifically here. Amazon will dump you into categories that you have no business being in. And then you have to request (laughs) to get out of them.
1: I ended up being a bestseller in terrorism. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't know how that came to be, but
0: okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's, I I can't even imagine how the algorithm would work, but you were saying earlier that you were also, you were also ranking for short stories and anthologies.
1: Yes. Which is crazy. Which, yeah, I just, it it boggles my brain. And because I don't have any insight into what's actually going on with this, I have no way to before and after go, oh, that's this or that's that. And I don't even know if people who handle this on the backside go back and, double check or anything. I, 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 That's the one of the downsides of being a traditionally published author is that you're quite cut out of the loop in what's actually going on. And you have to walk gently because I think in many cases, those who handle these types of things are used to only hearing about it when something goes wrong. So if you come in asking questions, there can be that sense of the author's trying to dictate, the author, you know, like maybe I'm coming in to condemn what's being done. And I, I don't want to, I just want to understand. But there I, I would think if it had been me on the other side, I would want the author not meddling with my stuff because the author doesn't know what I know. And, you know, you're you're stuck in this thing of not wanting to piss off the author, but they really need to keep their fingers out of your pie type thing. And I would imagine it's an uncomfortable situation. So I don't want to put somebody in that situation either. So it's, you know, it's, it's different when you can do it yourself or when you have a team that's handling it and you don't actually know what's going on.
0: Well, the flip, the flip side to the position you're taking is that your publishers publishing, how many books this year do you think?
1: Oh, I don't know, but it's a lot. I am not their one and only. I am not their one and only, yeah.
0: Um, Hundreds, maybe thousands. I I don't know, but they they publish a lot of books in a lot of different genres. And there might be five people that are in charge of doing the categories and keywords and things like that. And once the book comes out and it's out for a week or so, they may not go in and look. Yeah, I don't think... They may not know and... I would take the position that if, if I were the author and you were in a category that you didn't want to be in, like anthologies and short stories, I would ask if they could remove that category or replace it with something else. It's, to get into the nitty-gritty and the weeds a little bit with keywords and categories, Your Amazon allows you up to ten categories. When you first publish your book, you pick two, and then you can request – up to eight more. And if you request nine, they reject them all because that puts you over 10. And <laughs> they may or may not tell you that they've rejected them. They, you'll just notice that they don't show up. They may, you may also get into categories because of the keywords you select. So if you selected a keyword that has something to do with terrorism, that Assassins, might, maybe yeah, well, maybe. I mean, it's possible that there's some sort of a link in there that that will get you into the, the terrorism category. And you know, the, the great thing about being a bestseller in any category is you get the bestseller flag, and most people aren't going to look through to see what it's for. They're just going to see the bestseller flag and go, oh, cool, this is the bestseller. Huh, interesting. So that's, that's pretty cool. But for indie authors out there, It's really important to to understand who the target audience is for your book and how you can reach them. There are tools out there that you can use to pick the right keywords and categories and things like that. And you want to slice the apple as thinly as you can so you can get into not the thriller category but the thrillers – in Florida, in Key West category because there might only be seven books in that category, and there might be two million books in the thriller category. You're not going to – it's really difficult to rank for one category, and it can be really easy to rank for another category. And if you get that orange sticker, it looks just as bright (laughs) if it's thrillers, Florida, Key West – as it does if it's the number one selling thriller in all the world.
1: Interesting. See, I don't shop Kindle, so I don't have that kind of insight into how that all works. But and, and the, I do know that knowing who you are writing for, not just in topic, but also what covers are supposed to look like for similar um books, um, what descriptions are usually read like, um, is so important because even though everybody says that they want something new, they really are looking for something comfortable, something mm-hmm. that they know that they like, but slightly different so that they're not reading a copy paste of what they've read before. So knowing what else is out there, even if the content of the book is slightly different, like my books are really hard to slot into a genre. Uh, well not, I mean, they are thrillers, but they're, they're not, just thrillers you know there's they're, they're different and I'm not the only author that has books that are different but being able to slot them into a genre and know what audience you're targeting makes a big difference in being able to sell that book to somebody who would probably enjoy it because they've enjoyed other books that are the same but it's not even just the content that matters so much people really do judge book by its cover like Steve was saying when he would go walk into bookstores he would you know search by color and you know, font and everything else. Well, it's kind of similar, even though it's different online. It's similar in the sense that the book cover itself now matters more and more. And if you're writing a, you know, smallie slice Florida story in Key West or whatever, and it looks like a science fiction cover, you're going Mm -hmm. to entirely miss your audience. All the people who would love to read a book like that, they're just scrolling. They're going to see that and go, "Uh, no. So it's not even just, knowing who your audience is, it's knowing what your audience is expecting to see. And that's what comps are all about.
0: And it's it's interesting the way things change. When the informationist first came out, there weren't a huge number of books with kick-ass female protagonist.
1: I, I mean, we've had that discussion before. I think there were, it's just most people weren't aware of them. You know, you had told me about oh god i forgot her name
0: modesty blaze (laughs)
1: modesty blaze we could do a whole show on
0: modesty blaze yes he's
1: been around for forever and then you know when you start looking into other um female characters they're out there it's just that they tend to be slotted away from the testosterone and guns military type Mm -hmm. you know it's like even now for monroe to get a comp You know, like, oh, if you like Jack Reacher, you would like Monroe and the Informationist or, you know, Jack and Jill and Liar's Paradox. It's very rare for that to happen because those male characters are you think who's like Jack Reacher. Your mind doesn't go woman. It goes other men, you know, Mm -hmm. Mitch Rapp and, and whatever. So it even though she's a strong female character, there were others. I just don't think they were getting the same kind of even playing field recognition that they probably should have.
0: Well I, I bring that up because I'm sure we're recording this the day after the Super Bowl, which I <laughs> loved by the way, because I love defensive football. So I uh, me and seven other old people like defensive football and enjoyed the game last night. But one of the things that happened during the game multiple times was an ad for this new Amazon series called Hannah that I think is based on a movie called Hannah that came out. Which
1: I have seen the movie.
0: Yeah. And so here's this thing that now is becoming so mainstream that it's being advertised on the Super Bowl. Hmm. And, I mean, you think back to what it was like when The Informationist came out, and how, yes, there were characters like that, but now if you scroll through thrillers, covers of thrillers on, on Amazon, there are lots of them with pictures of women on the front
1: yeah you're right i i agree so now i had to go twins like all right that That market's getting crowded let's go in a different direction i didn't actually plan it out that way (laughs) it's just
0: (laughs) but it's interesting to me that when i first when i first mentioned it to you you're like i don't know anything about this but you really do know you know a lot of about it because you've been in the business for so long and and you understand the struggles of marketing and selling and explaining your books. And I mean, you, you've you got your description so finely tuned that it's like book, books on the ground, international thriller kind of stuff that it just separates you a little bit from all of the others out there when you're describing your books, which I think is what you want, but then you also want them to be a lot like the other things that you like as a reader,
1: yeah, it's I have worked very hard to try and get those evocative uh, comparisons compressed into very few words, but it's you know it never ends the struggle for eyeballs to try and get people to even take a look at what you're writing. so um I it's it's a interesting world we live in the book market is is something else
0: um do you ever go onto amazon and look to see who is advertising against your books
1: i've never deliberately gone to do it but when liar's paradox first came out i was online more often just looking to see you know has it gotten new reviews because i desperately need the reviews guys i know there are more than 60 people who bought my book on amazon why are there only 60 reviews? Come on. You I get my email, my email box is just full of people telling me how much they love this book, but I'm not the one who needs to hear it. I do need to hear it, but so does the rest of the world. So, anyway, All I right, no, wait there. a
0: minute. Before we go on, we have not done this for a while. A, an Amazon review can be a sentence. It can be Great book can be the title and I love this book because of this this and this period and that's it. Give it give it If you really enjoyed the book, give it a five-star rating. That's all you need to do. You don't need to write the review that everyone says, oh, this is so helpful because you wrote 19 paragraphs telling me what this book is about. Nobody cares about that. All the author cares about is that you write a sentence, write something in the title line, and click a star rating that represents what you think the book is. And if you do that, Taylor would be – dramatically grateful and it, it would help to promote the book and if you haven't reviewed the book yet please do it just write a sentence or two and a headline and give it a five star rating and that's it it's that easy
1: and it's not even that other people are going to be reading the reviews and everything steve said yes thumbs up sorry i didn't mean to cut you off it's not even that people are reading the reviews the algorithms are what we're what those matter for the most. I mean, of course, they make me happy. And if, if somebody does stop by to read it even better, but the numbers matter. A lot of people don't even go, oh, let me read the reviews. It's like, oh, this book only got 15 reviews. It must not be very good. Nobody's reading it. Oh, this book got 180 reviews. People are actually reading it. Maybe I should go look a little bit more into it. And the algorithms are relying on that because now you've reviewed something. Everything that you've bought and liked before also comes into the equation. So if you read a lot of Jack Reacher and then you take the time to review Liar's Paradox, all of a sudden Jack Reacher becomes a comp. These things matter so much to whether a book lives or dies. And if you love me, you don't want me or my books to die, so please go review the book. And but it's, anyway.
0: It's not just Amazon, wherever you buy your books, or Goodreads. Goodreads, lots Kobo. of people use Goodreads. All of these, wherever you, buy your Amazon, wherever you buy your digital books, you can review the books there, or the physical books. Just, if you love a book, not just Taylor's books, but when you read a book Especially and you books. love it, go write it. <laughs> just a one-sentence review. That's all you have to do.
1: Kobo, Goodreads. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, BookBub. BookBub is also another really big one. iBooks. Yeah, those all really matter. Okay. But back to Steve's question. If I've ever gone looking to see who uh, advertises against my books, I honestly didn't even know that was a thing because it's been Four years now since my last book published. So when I went on to look to see if there were new reviews on liar's Paradox, all of a sudden I did see other books being advertised against mine, and I recognized the names. I knew exactly who those others <laughs> were.
0: <laughs> and and in, in many instances, it's a compliment. In almost all instances, it's a compliment. I would think so.
1: I didn't get offended or anything. I was like, oh, okay. I see what's going on here now. So if you had asked me that question two months ago, I would have been like, what? (laughs) But now I actually get it.
0: All right. So that's it. We are out of time. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. We will be back again next Tuesday. And if you haven't reviewed Taylor's book yet, please do it. Please do it. I would appreciate it so much. Thanks, guys. See you next week.